welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today Coach Tro and I speak with Blake Karinovic, owner of Respect Your Gift. He is a mental health coach. He is a mental health mentor. He has an amazing story. He has been homeless. He has been arrested. He's also worked with Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher, and he has an amazing story where we can learn from some of his life experiences, some of the things that he's learned along the way as he helps put things in perspective. Mental health is a foundational principle for everyone. There are some great tools in here that we can apply to everyday life. Let's get after it. We are excited today to have Blake Karinovic, owner of Respect Your Gift, on our podcast today. This is an extremely uh, important topic regarding mental health and, and awareness. He's going to shed some light on this topic for us. Thanks for being on the podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm pretty well. Uh, thank you guys for having me. All things, all things considered, uh, I'm, I'm pretty well. That's awesome. We're excited. Um, doing the best you can with, with what you have during COVID-19, no, no doubt. Uh, Blake, could you give us some background on yourself, what you do, you know, what is Respect Your Gift? Yeah, certainly. Um, so allow me to uh, just kind of go into storytelling mode. If, uh, if you I love will. stories, please do. Hey, so uh, I, I tell a lot. I'll, uh, I'll try to keep it as... Uh, as uh, concise as as possible. So when uh, when when I was when I was a, a high school student, a student athlete, uh, you know, football was was actually the sport for me that that I thought I had a future playing. Um, that was until concussions became uh, part of the experience. So. I love the game of football. Uh, still love the game of football. I know that uh, we we may talk a little bit about injuries, so uh, we can save some of that conversation for later. But with the game of football, it was the concussions, and around that same time in life, you know, that's adolescence. That's that's sixteen, seventeen years old. Um, so we're still very much in the process of developing at that age. Uh, I started to experience some some significant uh, challenges, and I don't know if they were consistent with the concussions, if that was a contributing factor, or if it was just uh, coincidental that it all happened around the same time. But also about that same time, I started to experience um, issues with mental illness, um, things with substance abuse, started to uh, hang with a destructive circle of friends and make real poor decisions. And so all of a sudden we, we did a U-turn in, uh, you know, thinking that the future was football. And now it had become more about um, doctors, medication, psychiatric hospitalizations. I mean, we're, we're talking about some pretty intense stuff. And uh, so this was something that I experienced from my teenage years into my early 20s until uh, I hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom for the first time in my life. And, and that still is kind of wild for me to even say that, you know, rock bottom for the 
first time. Uh, but in my, in my early 20s, I hit rock bottom. And that's when I really started to uh, better understand the idea of managing. Uh, do you, do you, can you, you don't have to, but can you elaborate on what was rock bottom for you? Yeah, so I, uh, I got involved with, uh, with some individuals and uh, some, some substances that just led to a um, really um, bad incident um, where I, I was involved in a, in a drug deal gone bad and um, wound up arrested. Um, you know, in that particular situation, I was given the opportunity to tell the truth. And, you know, they, they, there's that, there's that idea of scared straight, right? So in those circumstances, I, I was, I was scared straight and, uh, I, I told the truth and, um, those, those charges were dropped. Um, and I was able to go home. I'll never forget it. I was in Grand Rapids. I, I lived in Big Rapids. And so when this happened, uh, I, I remember I, I was told that the charges had been dropped. I was, I was told that I could go home. And I, uh, I walked out of the jail, and I was 60 miles from home. I, this was 2005. You know, cell phones were not something that everybody just kept in their pocket. Uh, unless you had spare change, you weren't making a call from a, a pay phone. And uh, fortunately, word had gotten back to our community um, and somebody had made their way down. And so I was able to, to catch a ride with them back home. And so uh, I did that. And when I got back home, you know, I really started to reflect on not only the decisions that I was making and uh, the people that I was surrounding myself self with, but also the um, consumption. I think that consumption is a major part of the management of our mental health. And so at this particular time in my life, I started to make some adjustments, adjustments. I'm, I'm big on adjustments, right? They're, they're part of every process. And so I started to make some adjustments and, you know, I had created a track record that was not going to um, do me a lot of service going forward, but I also had an opportunity to start rewriting that track record. And so at that particular time, my focus became, let's, let's start to rewrite this track record. And, uh, you know, this, this is where I started to distance myself from that circle of friends, started to make some healthier choices in life, started to understand that I had some influence over circumstances that for a long time, people said, you know, this is the diagnosis. This is the label. These are the circumstances. This is, this is who and what you are. And uh, I just felt like, I have some influence over that. And even though at the time I didn't necessarily understand what I was doing, um, I looked at it more in uh, the micro that I was, I was just making some, some adjustments, some, some tweaks. And I started to get results. Uh, six months after hitting rock bottom for the first time, I was back in um, college. I enrolled in college as a, uh, you know, right out of high school and withdrew very early. That, that, that didn't go so well. Um, I was very much the student who was unprepared for the experience at that time. But I, uh, this would have been about the age of 24, was back in college, and I started part-time. I went part-time a couple semesters and eventually turned it into uh, being a full-time student. And as I went through 
the process of being a student, I also started to realize you got to maximize the opportunity. It, this, you know, this is an investment that you're making. Uh, so you, you really got to embrace this and do everything you can to maximize the opportunity. So it was more than just getting into the classroom and, uh, and doing the work that I was required to do. It was also getting involved in extracurriculars. And, uh, so, you know, those, those concussions and, and, uh, that, that took me away from football, even though I had a love for football, that love led me back to volunteering, uh, and, and doing some coaching with youth football at the same time. I eventually got involved in uh, announcing, and uh, the announcing went well enough that I then had the opportunity to host events around campus, and I started to uh, MC concerts around campus. I think that it's important to say on this call, you know, we're, we're here talking about mental health. I'm not a mental health professional, and, and that was never something that I, I ever wanted to pursue. You know, I, I tell people often that that sometimes purpose is the product of things we never wanted or asked for. This, uh, this whole mental health advocacy for me is not something that I ever wanted in life, but it's a purpose that I've come to um, not just understand, but, but to really try and embrace. I think there's a difference between embracing things and accepting them, and that difference is value. So what I've done is I've tried to find the value in, in mental health. Um, so, you know, I, I, was, I was in school and I was a music business major. I, uh, I focused my education in communication. I really thought when I graduated that I was going to wind up working as an on-air personality. That was, that was the goal, to, to work on the radio, to work um, on camera. And uh, when I graduated, I went to work for the, uh, the Lansing Lugnuts uh, as their game MC. So I got that opportunity to work in sports and entertainment. I got that opportunity to work as a personality. Uh, and, and it was a blast. I, I feel like I maxed that experience out. I did it for two years. Um, if it were a full-time job, I may still be doing it now. But it wasn't. It was a part-time gig. And so I had to start looking at things and, and saying, you know, I, I went to school to, to work a full-time job, not to be a seasonal employee. And so in 2014, I made the decision uh, to, to walk away from that job. And my optimism may have been, um, it, it may have led me to make a decision that, that wasn't necessarily the best at that time. Reflecting on it, I probably should have returned for another year. Um, and what I came to realize is that in terms of finding a full-time job, that was more difficult than I had ever imagined it would be when I graduated from school. And I think part of that was my past. There were some things uh, from my past that, you know, you, you have to make it through uh, an interview process and a human resources department to, to get hired anywhere. And I think that right. you know, some of that stuff from my past, even though I had done some really great things in college, um, you know, those, those things in my teens and early 20s were still significant enough. So the, the, whole, uh, the whole thing behind Respect Your Gifts, Steve, that's, that's a little bit of context. But where that really came from was uh, it took me nine years to find my first full-time job after graduating college. And I, I finally uh, got that full-time job after doing an adjunct instructing gig for a couple of years. Um, and so 2000. And uh, 19 is when I when I was finally hired for a full time job. But uh, I started Respect Your Gift in uh, in 2013 
as a way to market myself as a potential on-air personality. And I just kind of dabbled with that for a few years. I created content. Um, I went from this, you know, let me kind of be a superficial on-air personality to more of the personal development stuff. And I, I come from a, a family of coaches and teachers. You know, I, I grew up an athlete. So that personal development thing, I, I just started to better understand was a passion for me. I, I, love, I love to tell jokes. I love to tell stories. But, but if you really want to get me going and stir me up, let's talk about personal development. And so while I was creating content under this, this, uh, this brand that I initially created, um, I, uh, I, I hit rock bottom for the second time looking for a full-time job. And uh, in 2016, I wound up homeless and uh, spent eight months living in a trap house. So, uh, you know, that in itself has been quite the comeback. Um, but while I was in that trap house, I, I, I looked at a few things. And, uh, you know, one of them was the fact that I had this passion for personal development. One of them was this experience that I had with, uh, with mental health. And uh, I said, you know, it's, it's time to embrace this purpose. And that was when uh, I decided to rebrand to respect your gift. You know, one of the things that I said in the last video that I recorded is that I know illness and challenges personally, and I know that everybody on some level knows illness and challenges personally, right? It may not be illness. It may be more about the challenges. It may be both. Um, but on some level, even if it's uh, through someone else, we all know illness and challenges on a personal level. I know them personally. I know them firsthand, but nothing in my life has been as significant as in, or, or as impactful, as significant or as impactful as learning how to manage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I was doing while I was uh, working part-time with the lug nuts was also, um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a gym rat, less than I, less, less of one than I used to be, but uh, I, I started uh, training at a gym uh, and they said to me, you know, would you be interested in training uh, some of our student athletes who, who uh, work out here at this gym? And I, I was cautious of that because I'm not a trainer. Yeah, I have a background as an athlete, but I'm, I'm not a trainer. I don't have a certification. And so I, I said yes to it, but I said, I will, I will sell it as, as mentoring. Um, and this phrase, respect your gift, was something that we, uh, that we said. And so when I looked at rebranding, I said, what can I rebrand this, uh, this, this company that I initially created to market myself? What can I rebrand it to as a mental health advocacy? Now, you've mentioned a couple a couple terms that are key for anybody that's listening, uh, coaches included. You mentioned mental health and mental illness, and I think it's a key to give you the chance to to differentiate and talk about those two yeah. different names. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that, that's very much where I was gonna gonna end this. So um, with with respect your gift, you know the the messaging that we've developed is that we show respect to our gifts through the management of our mental health. That mental health is foundational. It's foundational. If you think about the blueprint of a, of a house or a building, uh, that, that same idea translates to the topic of mental health. Mental health is foundational. And so if we say mental health is foundational, uh, it can support 
success and happiness. Uh, you show respect to your gifts through the management of your mental health. Now, you're absolutely right. If mental health is foundational and it can support success and happiness, it could also support illness. No question about that. A lot of that uh, then it's something that the individual has to recognize is this, what decisions do I need to make in my own personal management strategies so that my mental health can support success and happiness? What I realized in my personal experience was that the, I said the word consumption, the kinds of things that I was engaging, the people, the, um, the environments, the, um, the, the, media, those sorts of things were having a negative effect on my mental health. And for that reason, my mental health was then supporting something that was the opposite of success and happiness. It was supporting illness. So when we talk about the difference, and I know this is something that you and I discussed, there's a huge difference in mental health and mental illness. The, the thing that really uh, drives me kind of nuts when I hear it is it seems for the most of the time when, when our media reports on, uh, on mental health, it's connected to some sort of negativity. It's connected to tragedy. It's connected to um, something that you know, people are not necessarily comfortable with. And so if you think about that, why is this issue become so stigmatized? It's because when we turn on the television and there is something being reported on, um, like a tragedy, the, the idea of mental health is, is mentioned. I will, give, uh, I will give the media credit because this is something that I've paid extra special attention to. Um, and in recent years, it's been less about the phrase mental health and more about mental health challenges, mental health complications, mental illness. But there's very much a difference between mental health and mental illness. And I think that if we can make sure that we distinguish that difference and talk about illness as illness and mental health as mental health, you can then get people buying into something that is critical to their success and happiness and saying, on the management side of things, what do I have to do? And it's not because I'm crazy. It's not because I've been diagnosed with something. It's not because I wear a label. It's because I want to be successful and happy. It's not because I'm drowning. It's because I want to be a better swimmer. And so you put this in the context of being an athlete. It's, it's not because I'm, I'm struggling in my life, even though struggles may be a very real part of everyone's lives, regardless of whether you're an athlete or a coach. The idea is let's still take those circumstances, figure out strategies of management, and put ourselves in a position to win. And I think that if we're talking about something like winning, it changes the dynamic of the conversation and the issue and, and hopefully leads people to a place where they're more comfortable saying, yeah, this is something, this is something that, that is critical. This is no, I think you're right on the, you're right on the money. And, and I think you're right. We have come a long way in recent years in this topic, you know, coach Joe and I were watching the, the bulls documentary. How far have we come since Dennis Rodman was on the 97, 98 Bulls? Yeah. Phil Jackson, mental health? Okay, just go to Vegas for a week. Come, come back, you know, when, when we're ready. That was how they, they handled it. We've come a long way uh, since then and still have a long way to go. So 
as a coach, most of the people listening to this are basketball coaches. If I'm a coach, what are some things that I can do to help my players and to help identify mental health as an issue uh, among my team and my individual athlete? Sure. So, you know, I, I think the model in a lot of ways, you just mentioned it with the last dance, the model is the NBA. So you, you've got to look at the NBA and, and realize that the NBA has taken some, some, um, some strides forward as it relates to this issue. And they've had some players as well as coaches who have come forward and acknowledge their circumstances and then do something about them. There's, there's still more room for improvement, but you've got to give a lot of credit to a league for, for leading the way. And, and the NBA has been progressive in that. So I, I think that if, if you can look to that model and say there, there are uh, coaches and athletes out here specific to our sport who have come forward and addressed this in their personal lives, then we should be able to follow suit and, and bring this same kind of conversation to our culture so you know you have you have the kevin loves you have the the demar DeRozans. um you you have i'm trying to think of who the the coach i think there was a coach who actually stepped away um for for well i i'm i'm thinking it was doc rivers but uh, maybe, teron, teron Lou stepped away for a little while i don't know if it was mental health yeah. or not but he he did yep yeah, it was teron okay man cleveland's got to be a stressful place man lebron <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Lott. Um, so yeah, I, I think that by by acknowledging that you've got a league where a lot of your players, you know, may be looking to that and saying, there are people in this league who I look up to. They're they're this is a dream of mine. This is something that on a on a weekday or a weekend, you know, I'm I'm watching I'm watching ball games and and trying to craft my game after after these individuals. Well, you got to think about that game in more than just on the floor. You got to be able to think about it in terms of the the mental aspect of it as well. And so, I think even the mention of the phrase mental health um, from a from a coach can go a long way to helping players better understand that this is part of my coaching philosophy. Sure, you know, I'm I'm going to teach you the the pick and roll. Like I'm I'm going to teach you. Uh, how to shoot. I'm, I'm going to teach you, uh, you know, all of these um, ins and outs on the floor. And I'm also going to be an advocate for your education. I'm also going to be an advocate for your mental health. And we're going to look at this and say, individually, I've got players who have, you know, different circumstances and, and may uh, need different strategies to address those circumstances, Steve. I so you know, oftentimes we go into the film room and we watch film to either um, break down a game or to prepare for a game. I think that it's absolutely, absolutely the same way when it comes to our mental health. To be able to say we have to formulate strategies, and so you may have some players that that need specific strategies. And maybe that requires a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them and saying, listen, we're developing these strategies because you're capable of succeeding. You're capable of succeeding in this sport. You're capable of succeeding in life. And, and just like when we go out to win, 
we have a game plan. We have a blueprint. We have strategies that we execute, that we follow through on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so when we're talking about the management of our mental health, it's that same, it's, it's the follow. I, I love the idea of follow through. I think I, when, I, when I teach the, the students that I, and they see me, but following through is a life principle. It's a life principle. The re, you know, we, we, we coach that the best way to shoot the ball is to follow through is because it gives the ball its best chance of going in. But if, if you put that in the context of a life principle, the reason that we follow through in life is because it gives us a chance to succeed with, what, what, with whatever we're doing. So when I'm talking about mental health management, what I'm really saying to people is that it's important that we sit down and identify the circumstances, and then we start to develop strategies to be able to influence those circumstances. And that's what I learned in my personal life is, is I just kind of went with the, the storytelling to begin. It's because there were a lot of challenges. There was a lot of experience with illness, but the most significant thing that I ever experienced was we can influence these circumstances. And if what are some, like if you had to pick out, what are some strategies that we could pick out if we ourselves are are having any specific issues or as a coach, we see that some of our players are dealing yeah. with some mental health issues. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I, I think the first one that we've talked about it is perspective, being able to look at the issue and say, this is something that can support success and happiness, not, not something that's about illness and, and labels. Um, the second one is, is what I like to call uh, strategic transparency. So you got to you got to look at your circumstances. And yeah, if you're a coach, you may have some athletes who come. Um, you you undoubtedly have athletes who come from different backgrounds. And so, you know, being able to help those athletes understand that depending on the background that they come from, th- there may be different things that need to be addressed. You may have some players who have no idea what trauma is. You may have other players who know trauma very well. Um, if, if that's part of a player's equation, then that's something that needs to be addressed. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to take a clinical route with that, but that certainly means that that is something that for this particular individual needs to be addressed. And so you've got to strategize some ways to, to address that. The other thing too, that I, I really think, um, is, is big time when, when you're talking about. Uh, you know, players, you're still talking about in, in, uh, in the grand scheme, you're still talking about a relatively young group of, of human beings, consumption. Consumption matters for all of us, but especially when we're young, we're still looking for things that, that we enjoy consuming. And, and when I say that, you know, that, that goes to not only the, uh, the food that we're putting in our body, but it goes to the television the movies that you're watching, the social media that you're engaging, the video games that you're playing, the people that you're spending your time around, the environments that you're spending your time in, every single one of these things is having an effect on your mental health. And, and an individual may be predisposed to have more, um, more challenges. There may be more anxiety. There may be uh, you know, more depression. There may be uh, more mania. Any one of those things falls into the, the realm of, of illness and challenges. Uh, and, and again, maybe somebody doesn't know those things at all, but our, our consumption is going to affect them. And so you've got to put yourself in a position to win, for one. 
And, and you do that by, by acknowledging your circumstances and saying, all right, so what, what can I be consuming? What strategies can I follow through on so that I can actually put myself in this position to go get those W's in life? Now, I love that. You're talking about, you know, one perspective, two, uh, strategic transparency. Everybody's different, right? Everybody has a different background that kind of leads them to, to where they're at. You have a team, but that team is filled with individuals. And then consumption. I love how you broke down consumption. If, if we can change what we watch, what we listen to, <laughs> the people that we hang out with, the environment that we're in, now we give ourselves an opportunity to succeed in our mental health and in our everyday, everyday life. I, I love that. Now, as an athlete, and, and you can speak firsthand on this, injuries can lead to many struggles for an athlete mentally. Okay, You've gone through this firsthand. You've had numerous a- athletic injuries in your life. What are some tips in how to handle and deal with those difficult circumstances? Yeah, uh, you know, adjustments are part of every process. And sometimes that, that process may be far from ideal. So, you know, whether it's, it's concussions or um, ACL tears or uh, meniscus tears or just the knee uh, joint breaking down in general, which is that that's been my experience right so so eight knee surgeries in in 11 years and that's been uh it's been real challenging because every that's got to be close to a record it, well <laughs> i you know man i i just listened to a little bit about uh alex smith yesterday and i alex smith sounds like he he may have uh he may have snatched the gold medal <laughs> um that would definitely be a, a story to follow in terms of resilience um but but what I have uh, what I've come to learn is um, adjustments are going to be part of every process. And when it comes to injuries, as an athlete, you don't want to wait. The most the most challenging thing that you're going to hear somebody say is be patient. And you know you have you have that mentality of I know what I'm capable of doing, and uh, and so I just want to get back to that you really have to trust the process and trust your body, trust the professionals, um, trust things to heal. And, and this is what I did. I, I, really, I really took this approach. I'm going to dominate every aspect of training and rehabbing that I go through until I get back. I'm going to dominate every act. So, so listen, when, when, they, when they put me down and, and, and tell me to, to ride the bike, for five, I'm not going to overdo it, right? They're going to tell me to, to ride the bike at 50%, but I'm going to give 100% of that 50%, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to injure myself, but I'm going to ride that bike to the point where I am doing every bit of work to make sure that, that my muscles are starting to fire and that muscle memory is starting. And when they say we're done with the bike, now we're going to start walking on the treadmill. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk like an all-star, man. I'm, I'm walking like an all-star. And, and when they put me back on the leg press and they say we're going to start with 15 pounds, I'm going to leg press 15 pounds like an all-star. Uh, and, and so I approached every level of rehab. I wasn't always the most patient. I'm not going to pretend like I was, I was the most compliant patient ever. I, I wasn't. And, and that was probably part of the reason 
that I had eight knee surgeries because I tried to come back too early. But that's also evidence that when you try to come back too early, you're putting yourself in a compromising position. And oh, that's great. That's going to have more of an effect on your on your mental health in the long run when you have to go back under the knife to have another procedure. Um, but I, I really looked at every process, every level of the process, and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate." And I'll still, Steve. It, I'll still tell you, man, I remember getting back into the gym. So all of my ACL tears, as much as I love the game of football, I, I, I said goodbye to that years ago. Um, and, and I started playing basketball. All of my ACL tears have, have come playing basketball. And, and I remember after the, uh, after the second, coming back was, it was, it was awful. I, I literally remember standing on the sidelines of a, of a rec game uh, one afternoon. And I, I was as close to in tears in public as as I could have been because I was so frustrated. I was I, the the shots that I was taking were were missing the rim. You know my my footwork, my touch, it wasn't there. I, and, and and so knowing where I had been compared to where I was was so incredibly frustrating to know that there were just things that I could not do. But I also remember that I took the next few months to really grind out that rehab and do the best and I came back and and I'll never forget you know getting on the floor a few months later and uh and being able to move in a way where people were like that's not the guy that I remember from a few months ago but that was somebody who trusted the process who who did embrace the idea of being patient with the rehab and who really worked hard to find if I if I can't be if I can't be a star on the court I'm going to be a star right here on the bike. I'm going to be a star on the treadmill. I'm going to be a star um, in the weight room. And, and I'm going to be a star in, in understanding that, that mentally, this is something that if I do it the right way, I'll be able to eventually get back to where I was and, and maybe even have gained some perspective and be better in the right, long run. Right. You're turning the rehab into your own game. Like that is the game. Um, and that's something I try to tell a lot of players is you may not be able to do a lot of things physically, but can you concentrate on your communication skills, your leadership skills? Can you work on being a better teammate? Can you study more game film? You can't be out on the court as much. Um, and so when you do come back, right, now you, you've improved in all these other areas, and now it's going to make it easier, hopefully, to be able to, once the body gets back, like you said, you'll be even ahead of, ahead of schedule. Um, Coach, I want to commend you for your, your work and everything that you continue to do. Uh, is there anything you want to share for us in the last couple minutes of our podcast? It's, it's the motto that, that, uh, that, I, that I live by. And, um, you know, this is, this is something that uh, at times in my life, it's, it's been more real than I ever wanted it to be. But, but when I was uh, – when I was creating content, when I was mentoring these student athletes and, and in the gym daily and creating content, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the phrases in addition to respect your gift that we would use uh, was the phrase, small steps, great distances. And uh, when, when, I look at, when, I, <laughs> when I look at my personal life, I, I think about um, how real you know, this has been and, and it continues to be. Um, but I, I think that I think that there was there was something something greater going on 
uh, when when small steps, great distances uh, became this 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 model that that I live by. And so it's uh, it's it's not just something that I live by, but I think it's something that applies to everyone. And and so small steps, great distances. Please just keep that in mind, whether it's managing your mental health or uh, becoming a uh, a better student athlete or a better coach. Small steps, great distances. Uh, you can see that on your your Twitter page, on your website. I'll make sure to include all those those links in the the yeah. show notes of our podcast. It's fantastic stuff, and as you mentioned, a great thing for us to keep in mind regarding our own mental health, and also regarding how we just go about and and live our life as a person and as an athlete. Anything that's worth doing and doing well is going to take time, step by step by step. Thanks for sharing the morning with us, Coach. Uh, appreciate it. Why don't you take us out? I know, I know you got a little closing. Go ahead, take us out. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So we actually say uh, small steps, great distances, you know. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Thanks again, <laughs> Coach. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Hey, if you want to reach out to Blake, he's available for uh, speaking engagements. You can contact him through Twitter or his website that I will put in the show notes below. And if you want to share this episode with one or two people, that would be greatly uh, appreciated. Because again, we're trying to make a positive impact in the lives of others, especially coaches. And we as coaches have an extra responsibility. We're dealing with youth, with young people, with mentorship on nearly a daily basis. That's not something that we should take for granted, and I hope that you don't either. Thanks again.